I have quite a lot of scripture this evening, so we're going to get into all of that. I just think I need a drink of water. <laughs> all right. I want to go to Proverbs 3, verse 34. Proverbs 3, verse 34. Is the volume okay for you guys? Okay. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right. Proverbs 3, 34 says this. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. A few weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, I was having a meeting with another minister, and we were discussing certain things in ministry, and he spoke to me about how the secret to his ministry and his success over the many years of ministry has been to remain in a posture of being humble and staying low. And, and I've, I mean, I've read this a million times maybe close to a million times, maybe not a million times, but many times. And I've read where the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. And the reality is, is that as believers, there are times where, I don't know about you, but I need that grace. I need His mercy. I need His goodness. And I the revelation of how God will give grace, he, he doesn't reject the humble. He actually gives grace to the humble. He actually promotes the humble. He restores the humble. Is such a profound key to walking in success with God. And I mean, I, I've, I've taught on this before. I've studied this before, but it has never become so real to me as it has right now in my ministry, and I pray that by the end of this evening's sermon, that you guys will be encouraged to go to that low place, because it's the safest place that we can be in our journeys with God. In Luke 18, verse number 9, let's go there, Luke 18, 9, Jesus tells them a parable, listen to this. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other man or the other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I possess. So we see the, the first person's attitude, the first person's heart in his prayer. And, and you know, you must realize that while he's praying this prayer, he really believes he's righteous. He really believes when he prays this prayer that, you know, I'm so thankful, God, that I'm not like those people. I'm so thankful that I, you know, I fast and I pray and I'm upright and I don't sin. Whatever. 
He says, I'm thankful that I give my tithes. Listen, not only does he give tithes, but he gives tithes of all that he possesses. Half of you don't even give tithes. So you're worse than this Pharisee. (laughs) And then he makes a comment about a tax collector. He says, or even as this tax collector. So clearly this tax collector was probably in the same place, busy praying. And he was watching more than likely this tax collector in his righteous state of prayer. And the Bible says in verse 13, and the the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says this, and this is so profound. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is just so powerful. How there's this picture of an imperfect man, someone that acknowledges their faults, their sins, and cries out to God in the most humble way, in the most low way. He doesn't even want to look up. He's beating his chest. I'm not saying that you must live your life doing that, living in that state the whole time. But what's important is that we recognize what we would be without Jesus. Where, would we, where we would be without that grace or without that love. And this man's desperate cry, even in his state... The Bible says that he went home justified, whereas the person who thought they were righteous, who went to church, clapped their hands, had a great time. Listen, I'm all holy, and I, you know, and I gave a tenth of everything, and I, I'm you know, fasting, and I'm doing all the right stuff. Doesn't go home justified. To me, this is absolutely unbelievable. And the Bible teaches us the pattern of what humility looks like through the life of Jesus. It tells us that we should do this. We should model after this. Let's go in our Bibles to Philippians 2, verse number 5. He gives us the example. How do we know that? Because look how it begins. Philippians 2, 5 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In other words, he's saying, what I'm about to show you, the same attitude that Jesus had, the same way that he did this, you must do it too. Are you guys with me? He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Wow. So Jesus, who was equal to God, God himself, didn't stay in that state, but rather he came down, gave up all his privileges. Or you could basically say in many other translations, it says he emptied himself. He emptied himself. That's the first thing he did is he gave up his privileges. You see, sometimes we must understand that we have to give up our privileges. 
We have to be, we have to, we have to, we have to take ourselves out of what we believe is rightfully ours. It says then that he, he took a position of a slave. Because it says there in verse 7, it says, He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. So he became a servant. A king, you need to really think about this. He, a king that is God comes down and becomes a slave. Becomes a servant. Makes himself equal with men. It says he made himself equal with men. Basically by becoming a human being, by becoming a man in flesh, he makes himself equal with us. This is humility. The king humbles himself. I, I, I hope you're getting this. I need you to see the magnitude of it. Don't just listen to it or read it. I need you to understand all that he really did so that you and I could be saved. Wow. He humbled himself. And then the Bible tells us that he died a criminal's death. So he went from being the highest of high to the lowest of low. And when he did this, the Bible tells us that something happens. Watch this now. So verse 8, I'm going to finish off. It says, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say therefore. God elevated him. You see, there's a key to humility. When you humble yourself, God will elevate you. You see, elevate, when we think of being elevated, we often think of like glory and, and success. And, and that's true. God will give you many wonderful things. He will elevate you to a position of power. He'll elevate you to a position of authority. He will bless you. But he'll also sometimes take you out of that low place that you're in. Sometimes when you're in the bottom or you, you just feel like you're not where you should be with God or, or you're struggling or something's not happening the way you feel that it should be, when you're willing to actually humble yourself and go back to that place of just total surrender to God, He will once again lift you up out of it. <clears throat> but in Jesus' situation, it says God elevated Him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. So he went all the way down and God took him all the way up. Are you guys with me? That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue declares that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. This is so powerful. And at the beginning in Philippians 2 verse 5, it says, we should have the same attitude. Why? Because God is trying to teach us the pattern of humility so that we can have a successful walk with God. He rejects the proud, but he blesses the humble. Now, let's go to Matthew 18 verse number 1. Don't worry, we're going to get somewhere this evening. It's going to be like a train that starts slow and then begins to gallop. <laughs> Trains don't gallop, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them. 
and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever, watch this now, humbles himself as a little child is the greatest. Everybody say the greatest. In the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why a child? Because a child just believes. A child is innocent and is teachable. A child doesn't think he's better than everybody else. A child doesn't think his way is better than everybody else's way. I know I have a little seven-year-old son. I can tell him anything and he believes it. If I tell him to go outside, Joshua, the moon is tonight green, he's going to go, ooh, let's go see, Dad. I want to see. He's going to believe it. He's going to have a, a teachable, humble spirit, a humble heart, and be desperate to learn and take it all in and listen intently to every story and be desperate for everything I can teach him. First Corinthians 1 verse number six, 26 says this, we need, to be, we need to be humble. Before we go there, we need to be as humble as little children and then we will be the greatest in the kingdom. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 says this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That the flesh should glory in His presence. That no flesh, sorry, no flesh should glory in His presence. So He's saying, listen, the wise they're not the ones who get called. The word wise there also means skilled or experienced. So God's not looking for your skilled or experience. Listen, if you have that, that's great. But that's not what's going to qualify you. He doesn't look for the mighty, the capable, the powerful, the strong. That's what that word means. And the word noble means to be well-born or to, be a, to come out of nobility or high-born. So it's not looking for where you come from. He qualifies you on your, on your heart. He qualifies you on, 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 on your attitude. He qualifies you on who you are. And he says here that he will use the things that most people don't even look for. There's an amazing story in Scripture. Let's go there. 2 Kings chapter number 5. You guys must stay with me, okay? Stay with me this evening. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse number 1. Actually, let's not go there. Let's not read the whole story because otherwise we'll be here a very long time. Because I still have so much scripture. Let me see real quick. All right, let's read the whole thing. All right, 2 Kings 5, verse number 1. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was 
a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. So this was no ordinary guy. This guy, Naaman, was a powerful, powerful commander. He was a powerful leader in the army. And the Bible calls him a mighty man of valor. However, he has a problem. The Bible says, but a leper. So he, he was carrying a disease in his body. Even though he was mighty, even though he was a great commander, he had this problem. He had this leprosy. And the Syrians had got out on raids and had brought back, had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then aren't they glad that she was in town? Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised. When this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And that happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? That this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now watch this. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. So this fancy commander goes to Elisha's house and when he gets to Elisha's house, the messenger comes out to meet him. And when the messenger comes out to meet him, he tells him what the prophet wants him to do. The prophet doesn't come out to meet this honorable great commander. He doesn't come out and pray for him or spend some time with him. He sends out his servant. There's a lesson in here somewhere, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm. <laughs> and obviously you can imagine Naaman is not very happy about this because who is this prophet? Who is this prophet? I want it to be done the way that I want it to be done. I need to be honored. Do you know who I am? So God's trying to teach us a very important lesson. And I watch in verse 11. But Naaman become, became furious and went out and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not... The Abana and the Pharaoh, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? 
Could I not wash in them to be cleaned? So he turned and went away in rage. So he was upset. He got so furious. He was so full of pride that he decided, I'm going I'm to leave my miracle. I'm going to leave my healing, and I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I want you to understand that many of us miss what God has for us because we are not willing to humble ourselves. We are not willing to sometimes do the least. We are not willing to sometimes see somebody else instead of the senior pastor. <laughs> Listen, that wasn't planned at all. I just thought of that now. <laughs> but it's a good one. <laughs> We'll just let that one sink in for a few moments before we carry on. So he's really upset, but there's such a powerful lesson for, the, for us all in this. Because this is not only about healing. And yes, healing is what we're looking at. But you must understand that it goes for restoration. It goes for everything. You see, you can fight and get upset and get angry and, not, and, and because it's not going your way or because things are, are not happening the way that you expect them to happen. But there's a key. And the key is, are you willing to humble yourself? That's why you think Elisha didn't want to go outside. Elisha did exactly what he was supposed to do. He was testing his heart. Are you willing to humble yourself, Naaman? And so what happens is, take a look. Verse 13. And his servants came, to, came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? See? See? How much more then... When he says, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. Don't you like that right there? And he was clean. You need to be like children when you come before him. When you are willing to humble yourself, you will become like a child. And I want to tell you that God will elevate you. He will lift you up. He will promote you again. He'll take you out of wherever you are and restore you once again. But the question is, are you willing to humble yourself? I want you to imagine this. Here comes the commander. He's got his, 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 his probably got all his fancy you know, if it was today, they'd have their medals on and their nice jackets and all their fancy attire. And now they get down to the river and his servants are there with him at the river and they're all watching him. Now he's got to strip it all off. He's got to strip off all, his, all that he has, all his honor, all his glory. He's got to take it all off before he gets in the river. And when he gets in the river, listen, you can't just dunk one time. One time isn't enough, maybe two times. No, you know, the third time. And nothing's happening after the third time. And you've got to humble yourself a little more the fourth time. And then the fifth time, you've got to do it a little bit more again. You've got to eat a little bit of humble pie. You've, you've got to just be a little bit low, just a little bit more. <coughs> and then after the seventh time he comes up out of the water and his skin is like a child's have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and gone before the Lord and cried out to him and said to him Lord I'll do whatever it takes 
If there's anything between you and me, Lord, if I've done anything, said anything, if I've thought anything, Lord, if I've anything, Lord, I just, Lord, I want you to forgive me, Lord. I just wanna, I wanna be low, Father. I just wanna get close to you. I wanna hear your voice. I, I, I wanna be used by you, Father. I wanna do what it is that you desire for me to do. Well, we're always so convinced that everybody else around us is wrong. Well, you know, I have the right to feel this way. I have a right to this pain. I have a right to desire to live this way. I have a right to do this thing. I have, <clears throat> I have a right. <clears throat> do you understand what I'm saying? Gosh. I have seen God's power in moments of humility like I have never seen in anything else in my life. I've heard the voice of the Lord in moments of humility like I have never seen in anything else in my life. I'm happy to be wrong. I want to be wrong if it means I can be close to Him. Are you guys with me? Amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 7. If you thought I was finished, you were wrong. 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 7. I want you to see Paul. Watch this now. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of my revelations. Let's stop there. Because most of us never read or quote that part. We only quote the next part. Because the next part's what interests us. But take a look at what comes before the next part. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure. In other words, he's saying, listen, I, I, it, something has happened to me. And I'm gonna sh you're going to hear where it is in just a moment. So because of what you've given me, God, which is an abundance of revelation, lest I should be exalted above measure. Look at what he says. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. Who gave him the thorn? I'm so glad you're asking. The next part of the verse tells us. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. That's the enemy that's doing something. But God has allowed it. Why? So that Paul does not get exalted above measure. Why? Because Paul's revelation is above anybody else's. We know it's true. Read the Bible. The guy had reason to think he glowed in the dark because he did. He did glow in the dark. He had more revelation. He had more insight. He had more understanding. Unbelievable miracles. He was an unbelievable apostle. But he had this thing that was in his flesh, this thing, this situation that God allowed. And he gets to this place where he says, listen, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations because of what you've allowed me to see, God, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest lest I be exalted above measure. Now watch. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because when you are low, 
When you are humble, He gives you grace. He gives you grace. I don't know about you, but I need some grace in my life. I need some grace to get me through every day. I need some grace because of who I am. I need some grace because of the mistakes I make. I need some grace to get me to the next, just to the next day. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now watch, oh, I love Paul. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He understands what I'm trying to teach you this evening. He gets it. He understands that it's better to be low than to be high. It's better to suffer than to be exalted because when you are weak, that's when He is strong. When you are low, that's when He is high. Are you guys with me? You want to see His power in your life? How low can you go? How low will you go? Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. How many of you take pleasure in your infirmities? Why don't we? Because we don't, we don't understand the way he understood. We don't see it the way that he saw it. So instead of getting upset, he recognized that grace was available and sufficient for him, even in his weakness. And so he chose to celebrate the infirmities, the reproaches, and the persecutions. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in those moments of weakness that God can really use you guys. When last were you low? When last were you, were you low? When last did you humble yourself? This is the one thing that God wants you to do. He doesn't want to do this to you. He wants you to do it to yourself. Why? Because in that moment, He can show you just how strong He really is and how mighty He really, really is. So how do we do it? How do we get ourselves to that place where we humble ourselves in His presence, in His sight? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this evening. Let's go to our last scripture. I'm almost done. Are you guys okay? Are you still with me? All right, let's go to John 4, verse number 1. I don't know why my mouth is so dry. John 4, 1. You have read this before, but because of what I've just taught you, you will never look at this scripture the same way ever again. I guarantee it. Unless you were sleeping or not paying attention, you will never be the same again, okay? Maybe one or two. Okay, James 4, verse number 1. Watch this now. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? 
that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, when we approach God, the things that we desire, the things that we fight for, the things that we war for, we do these things and ask for these things more according to our own desires and our own pleasures. Let's be honest. What do you pray for the most? <laughs> Amen. Let's move on. Okay. Verse number four. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Now watch. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what do we need to do? Oh, I'm so glad you're asking. Watch. He tells us, therefore, submit to God. The key to humility is to submit to God. It starts by submitting to God, His ways, His designs, His intentions, His plans, His purposes. But you're gonna have the flesh and you're gonna have the enemy. So He tells us what to do. He says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. The only way you can, sub the only way you can resist the devil is by submitting to God. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's still more that I want to get into here. But I want you to understand that the key to humility starts by submitting yourself to God. When you submit yourself to God, darkness has to go. Why? Because you're submitting yourself to light. And when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. That's why when you pray, don't pray amiss. Don't ask amiss, but begin to pray things that have eternal value. Begin to pray for the salvation of your children. Begin to pray for the purpose of your children. Father, I pray that my son will be all that you have called him to be. Lord, I see him somewhere in the future and I see him preaching the gospel. I see him doing your work and doing your, your will, Father. <coughs> Are you guys with me? Don't pray about the car and the house. You can ask about that stuff, but those things are not important. Are you with me? We, God is interested in all of our stuff. I asked Him before I bought a house. I asked Him before I buy a car. And when I know He doesn't want me to do it, then I don't ask Him. <laughs> Naomi knows. She says to me, did you go and pray about it? And then I get all upset because I know what's going to happen when I, once I've prayed. But if you want to understand what it means to, to, to walk in that humility, we first submit to God. We fight and we war for the things that have eternal value. The things that mean something to Him more than the things that mean something to our flesh. That includes what we believe. I don't care what I believe or what you believe. What is important is what God is, what He believes, what He says is. 
Those are the things that will make a difference. If you want to see His power in, in your life, you have to believe the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. If you try it, you'll find out it doesn't work. Anything else doesn't work. So he says, therefore, submit to God. Res resist the devil and he will free flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to, to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen, he's saying, when you come to God, when you submit to God, when you resist the enemy, come before him. He says, he, he speaks about clean, heart, uh, clean hands. He speaks about purifying your heart, and he speaks about a double mind. He, we must get out of being double-minded in our lives. We must begin to choose God's way. We must begin to desire his designs. Why? Because then we'll be blessed. Then we'll see the blessing. Then we'll see the hand of the Lord because those things come who to who to those who will humble themselves to those who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. But if you're seeking all the things before the God of righteousness, before the King of Kings, you've got everything out of order and your prayers will be asking amiss and you will not see the hand of the Lord move in your life the way that it should and the way that it can. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Why? Why should we lament and mourn and weep? Why? Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. What is he talking about? Listen, what it means is this. It means, it means that we must get ourselves to a place where we, we, we become totally dependent and reliant on him. You will not be able to do this without His power. That's why in your weakness, you become strong. Because His power is available to those who humble themselves. Are we willing to do it? Sometimes you might even know you're right, but rather just humble yourself. Are you guys okay? I know this is different, but it's important. Is that okay? Put that scripture up for me, please, again, right at the end there. Go to the next verse. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. He will lift you up. Every single one of us goes through different seasons, different things, different times. And I don't know where you are in your walk with Him. But we always talk about prayer and, the, and all this stuff, and we need all of those things. But if your walk isn't where it should be, maybe it's time to humble yourself. I can preach about it, but I can't make you do it. It has to be something that comes from your heart. It has to be your desire. When people talk about not needing to repent, I can't understand it. Because repentance is all I have. Going low is all I have. Because I understand that when I'm willing to do it, that there's going to be grace for me. Why? 
Because that's what His Word says. He says He gives grace to the humble. Those who are willing to go low. Those who are willing to, get to, to, to go to that place where they say, Lord, I can't do this without you. It's not how clever I am, how much knowledge I have, how much wisdom I have. Right now it means absolutely nothing. Because the thing I need most, most, is really only available to those that truly humble themselves. Because those who are pride, prideful, the Bible says he rejects them. Let's bow our heads. Father, this evening in this place, Lord, this is not even, it's one of those things that it's hard to even do this in a church service because the reality is, is that this is really something that's so personal between each and every one of us and you. Only you know what's going on in every one of our lives in this room or watching online, Father. But I pray this evening, God, because I know what it's like to struggle. And I've found restoration and healing like Naaman did when I was willing to go low. Father, I pray that you would keep us in that posture when things are going well, when things are not going well, that we would always be as your word says in Philippians, as Jesus was, we should be. Father, as he was where he humbled himself, came down and made such a sacrifice, the result was you lifted him up. Does your word not say this because surely you will do the same for us, God? No matter how lost we feel, no matter how unworthy we feel, no matter how, how broken we feel, no matter how hurt we feel, if we choose to humble ourselves like Jesus did, if we make that decision, surely you will lift us up. So this evening in this place, we submit to you, God. We resist the enemy that uses the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of this world to attack us. We submit to you. We resist the devil. And we know that he will flee. But we also choose this evening, Father, to come before you and to change our double minds, our hearts, our, our hands, Father, to come before you and purify them, not by might or by power, but only by your spirit, because we cannot do it, God. But your spirit washes us with the word. And even this night in this place, and even those watching online, Father, I pray that you will draw them by your Spirit tonight, God. That you will draw them and draw their hearts towards you, Father. I pray, God, that we will, we will, we will seek you and, and hunger and thirst for you, God, with all of our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've come here this evening and your life is not right with God, and you say, Pastor Alex, my life is not right with God, but tonight I want to make right with Him. I want to give my heart to Him. I want to give my life to Him. I need Jesus. I've been living my own way, but tonight I want to give my life to Him, my heart to Him. If that's you, don't you want to raise your hand so I can pray for you? Don't be afraid. Anyway, I see your hand. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in this prayer this evening. God bless you, young lady. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you. I see you in the back. God bless you. Thank you. If you haven't raised your hand yet, but, you, but you've, maybe you've served the Lord a long time, but your life has just kind of gone astray and you've lost your way a little bit. But tonight you say, listen, I can see the way back is going to be for me to humble, be humble, humble myself. That's exactly what the story of the prodigal son is. That's where the son was willing to humble himself and come back and say, I'm willing to be your servant. I don't even need to be your son. I'll even be your servant. But how is the father when he meets him? He gives him a robe of righteousness. He puts shoes on his feet, a ring on his, on his finger because he says, this is my son who is, was once lost and now he's found. And I want, I want you to know that if that's you and you want me to pray for you and include you in this prayer tonight. Slip your hand up and I'll include you. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. I see your hand. Thank you. Can I ask everybody to stand for just a moment? Just stand real quick. If you raised your hand, I don't want you to, to hesitate when I ask you this. I want you to come to the front. Don't be afraid. Come quickly. Don't hesitate. Come quickly. Come on, church. Let's give them a big hand. If you raise your hand, come, come, don't be afraid, come, that's it. Good for you. Come on, there were so many of you, come. Come on, church, let's give them a clap, give them. Well done. Amen. Amen, brother. It's good to see you. and stand here. Your life is about to change. Things will no longer be the same for you. God's going to heal your heart. He's not only going to heal your heart, He's going to heal you physically. He's going to restore some broken things. He's going to put things back together. You've come in here with absolute desperation this evening. And God has heard your prayer. And you've been in a broken state for a long time. But God says, I'm going to put things back together now. I'm going, to bring to heal, I'm going to begin to heal things. Even in this night, I will begin to heal things. Father, I thank you for this precious young lady. I thank you that her life will never be the same again. And we know that it's not by might or power, but it's by your Spirit. So I ask Holy Spirit right now that you touch her and that you comfort her. Never the same. Never the same. You will never be hurt that way ever again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. Right now, I thank you for it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys, just look at me. We're going to pray a prayer. The whole church is going to pray this with you. You came forward. There were others that raised their hand. They didn't come forward. That's okay. Let's just pray this prayer like we really mean it, okay? Pray it like you mean it, okay? With your whole heart. Young man, okay? We're going to pray this like we mean it from our hearts. Let's all pray together. Let's say, Father, I come to you this evening. I believe Jesus died 
and rose again. He is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me whole. Make me new. Restore me tonight. In Jesus' name. Now fill me, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm just going to pray for you real quick. Father, just restore this young man. Thank you for this precious young man, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your hands, your arms are always open to him. He is yours in Jesus' name. This young man, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just restore her, Lord. Just touch her now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, just bless this precious lady, Father, this precious man, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Restoration and healing is yours in the name of Jesus. And you don't have to worry because you will be blessed. And your name means more than you think in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Just bless this young man. Bless this young man. Bless this precious lady, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for her courage, Lord. Let this be meaningful tonight in Jesus' name. Bless her, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Can I get some leaders up real quick, please, to come with me? Amen. And I'm going to have a pastor somewhere over there. <laughs> All right, there he is. If you see that pastor, guys, if you just turn over there, you'll see that pastor waving over there. Just follow him out. He's going to take you to, into the back. There'll be somebody with you that's going to pray with you. God bless you, guys. God bless you. Go, go, go. All right. Come on, church. Let's give them a big clap. Amen. 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 Take a seat for a moment. We have to always be ready at any time because just one salvation is a miracle. Just one. Just one person coming back to the Lord and restoring is a miracle. And I mean, there's miracles that have taken place that you don't even know about this evening that I know about because Lord God is moving. And so I'm just very thankful for what God has done this evening in this place. Amen. All right. I want to do um, something real quick. Um, all right. And then we'll do something maybe else. Okay. Let me get Pastor Mike up here real quick. Come here, young man. Let me get my pastors. Come here. Here's the way. We're just going to pray a little prayer over you. He planted a church last week. Listen, when I had my first service, there were like 12 people. He had 60 at his first service. You know what I mean? I mean, you know. I, I said a double portion, not a quadruple, quad, quad, you know. No, we're so grateful to the Lord for what he's doing with Mike and Cheyenne, and we're just so proud of them. But we just need the Lord to touch him. He needs a miracle. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for your hand, your healing upon him. I pray, God, that you touch him. No weapon formed against you, Mike, will be able to prosper. You will fulfill the heavenly vision that God has placed before you, completely whole in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare it right now over you. Restore, Father, in Jesus' name. 
I rebuke all fear in the mighty name of Jesus. I command it to go now in Jesus' name. Give him strength, Father. Give him strength and touch him. Touch him in his body, Father, in Jesus' precious name. We lift this up to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my boy. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Amen. I'm just going to pray for one last person, and then we're going to close the service. Ma'am, can you come to me, please? Yes. Just behind you. Behind you. Yes. No, not you. With a with a with a gray silver hair. Come, please. Thank you. <clears throat> I mean, I love all of you, and I'll pray for all of you. But <laughs> okay, okay. I just I need to pray for her. Okay. Amen. All right. Just give me your hand, please. Okay. Father, I thank you so much for this precious lady. I thank you for the journey that she's been on with you, God, and her heart's desire for more of you. For you have desired and sought to seek the Lord in righteousness. This has been your heart's desire. You, you have desired and have set your heart to seek the Lord in righteousness. In other words, you have said, Lord, I want to do what's right in your sight. And the Lord has seen your heart and how you've turned in such a dramatic way towards him. And I want you to know that there is great restoration and great healing for there's been a, there's been a, 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 a struggle that's taken place and God is going to bring restoration and healing to that area where there's been a struggle. Father, I see how she's cried out to you and I know that you've heard her and I ask tonight in the mighty name of Jesus that you will touch her and Father, that you will answer her prayer and that you will restore and that you will, Lord, open doors for her in the days that lie ahead and give her favor. Restoration in, in, a, in a relationship that's so important in her life. Father, I pray for that restoration now in Jesus' name for blessings, for favor and Father, that the whole house will begin to to serve you like never before. For as she has begun to seek righteousness and seek after you, Father, with her whole heart, so the whole family will begin to also follow suit. I thank you for your hand upon her, Lord. And you and your house, all the days of your life, you will serve the Lord. I pray for restoration. I also pray for healing now in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch her, Father. Touch her tonight in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that she is yours. She is yours, Father. All the days of her life, she will walk with you. And I want you to know this, and, and, and you probably you know this, but I'm gonna tell you anyway, that the Lord loves you so much. He loves you so much, and you are very saved. You are not only saved, but you are very saved, and you are on the right track. You are going in the right direction, and you've made the right choices, and you will see the hand and the blessing of the Lord in the days that lie ahead like never before. And listen to me as well. God is going to restore your joy in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. I thank you for her father. I thank you for her family. I thank you for the blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. All righty. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open the altar. The pastors and the leaders will be up here to pray for you guys. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'll, we'll have the altars open. So you, I'm going to close and then you're welcome to come up for prayer. Let's close. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for everything that you have done.
We pray, God, that you will cause our hearts to always seek after you, to seek after righteousness. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace that follows those who humble themselves. You are our God, and we love you. Now I pray that you bless everyone as they go home tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you, and we shall see you tomorrow. Amen.